You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. This time, we're doing our All Will Be One set review. Yes. Because, well, we got away from doing these because it turns out if you have to do one every single month, you don't have any con fresh content to make. <laughs> yeah. So, we're going to hit this one, usual style, what we think is good, bad, what's just right. We're giving it the Goldilocks treatment. So with that, let's get it started. Yep. So we're going to start out with the overhyped cards and then work our way down. And for me, the most overhyped card in the set is the flagship card of the set, and it is Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. This card right now is pre-ordering for $61 at a minimum, maybe 170 depending on which variant you're looking for, or 240 I'm sorry, I can't keep track of them all. And I just do not believe in this card at all. It might take off in Standard or Pioneer, but that takes a, ra a rather large shift in either one of those formats. And I'll bring up Elish Norn so everybody can see it. Um, it costs 5 mana, 4 and a white. It is a 4-7. And after that, the card reads similar to a lot of things we've seen before. It is Panharmonicon, and it is Torpor Orb. Now, saying that, this isn't good as a Stax General because you have 2 mana Thalia. That's what you should be playing as your stacks general. So this is like uh, stacks light, baby's first <clears throat> stacks, whatever you want. And it seems pretty bad as a mono white general in general. This just seems like one of the worst options you have for mono white. Avacyn is probably still one of the best. Uh, Sheldon Menery in the RC might believe that this card shouldn't have been printed at all as espoused in their letter to Wasi, <sighs> but I don't see this being better than any existing option at these <clears throat> mana values. It is a one-sided panharmonicon, like I said, so it doubles your ETB triggers, and that is definitely nice, but this is a strictly worse defensive option when looking at alternatives. You, now, it also has the Torpor Orb uh, text on it as well, so it uh, disables your opponent's ETB effects, that's great. Torpor Orb costs two generic. There's also Hushbringer, which costs two, which is much more aggressively costed for constructed decks. And while they do both cost, you know, effectively a third of this mana cost, they make a huge impact in the game much earlier when you need them in all formats. That's super important. Two is so much faster than four. <clears throat> you sideboard in Hushbringer, you sideboard in Torpor Orb. You're not going to be sideboarding in Elish Norn. My expectation is this is going to probably be priced similarly to Jenga Taxius Progress Tiant from Kamigawa yeah. Neon Dynasty. Around $15 plus or minus three, and that three will be based on utility in constructed formats, but I don't really see this taking off anywhere as the marquee card of the set. I uh it's it's funny you mentioned Elish Norn, uh, because I actually also picked it as one of my <laughs> overhyped cards. But specifically, I picked a Junji Ito art. Oh, okay. Uh look, 
I get it. Other people in pop culture are coming out is great. This card is not good. I was born with half a brain cell. I can hear, I can see that when I read it. It's fine. It's not great. But uh, the analog here and why I think this is incredibly overhyped is if you take a look at the Soren the Mirthless alt art that was done by the Castlevania yep. art designer, uh, at one point it was pre-ordering for like $600 in foil. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's 50 Okay, this is not a $200 foil. I understand you can only get it in the complete edition. Uh, I also understand you get two of them in every single complete edition. And do you know how many mythics there are? Twelve. Uh, There's going to be a ton of these. Yeah. There's a, every bundle is going to have this stuff. There's no reason it should pre-order for this much. There's just no reason whatsoever. Or Sorry, 23. My apologies. Uh, but not all of them come in oil slick variants. Woohoo! Woo! Yeah. I just think everything about this card is overhyped, aside from the stats. A 4-7 yeah. Vigilance creature for a 5 is above rate. Yeah, that's fine on its own. And, and everyone will say, oh, yeah, but with those abilities, it's great. No, those abilities aren't particularly good. No. Like, they're, you have to have a lot of stuff around them. And I understand that, you know, sentiment from most players has come around that this card isn't as good as the rules committee thinks it is. But, I mean, really, it's it's not Panharmonicon. No. Because Panharmonicon goes in every deck. Mm -hmm. You have to be playing white for this card, which, I don't know if any of you played EDH recently, it's kind of a bad color in the format. It is. And making this cost five, which is mm, restrictive enough, seems like it's going to control this card a lot better. It, it is not braids nightmare whatever from torment that comes yeah. down on like two you know uh or one with the writ it is not um gristle brand in the 99 yeah. that you can just reanimate on turn one it is not that offensive you can still reanimate this but it's not going to take over the game because a removal spell that costs as little as one will take care of this it, it is not yeah. that difficult i don't see this commanding this price tag for anywhere realistic no for any realistic amount of time it's like what 60 dollars for the regular version that's absurd yeah. there's no reason for that no not at all um, the next card on my list as overhyped is venerated rot priest and this is one of the green rares that was spoiled via the pack coalition issue with uh brothers war and it is one green for a one two with toxic one but that's not the important part the important part of this card is the trigger that says whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. So you're basically just looking to target this or another creature that you you control and yep. you know trigger your opponent out of the game. I do believe this card is nuts. I read it and I thought this card was ridiculous. I just don't think it is a $12 to $16 ridiculousness worth of card. Um, you know, this might make the RC and Watsi change the poison counter number in commander and there's a very real chance this mucks up standard and I believe that's kind of what this is meant to do it's kind of meant to gas commander a little bit and not really screw up the standard that might just be a side effect there are a lot of yeah. cheap pump spells in standard right now so you can do a lot of damage with this really quickly both because toxic is not infect so literally a lot of damage and then you know, from a record standpoint, just triggering people out of the game. Now, this does not revive the Infect deck in other constructed formats because 
Plague Engineer is still a very real card. Yeah. And it's very difficult to push uh, damage from 1-1s through that effect. So this isn't going to do a lot there. And it's not a quote-unquote storm finisher, as you can respond to the storm trigger with any removal spell. I said this weeks ago when people started buying Ground Rift unnecessarily. Storm still has to trigger and resolve for all the copies of Ground Rift to go on the stack. If you respond yep. to the storm trigger with anything from Stifle to a removal spell, that's it. Game over. The creature's gone. Nothing happens. So I don't think it goes there. There's this kind of... Um, red green pseudo storm deck that was just looking to target your creature with pump spells and i think that's the kind of deck this goes in it yeah because it plays both ways and people are wondering about the toxic keyword like why why do you get to deal real damage and in and deal a poison on top of this it just seems pushed and that's what i think is going to muck up standard this two-way play combined with the trigger is it twelve dollars long term no I believe this is a solid $5 rare, even if it does last in standard as a pillar of the format. And if any version of that red-green storm deck does gain a foothold in modern, I think it's just going to take a small format shift to playing removal again. And that takes care of this and tamps down both demand and the price tag. So I don't think this will ever get out of hand enough to take over a format and really push the price over $5. Uh, well, <clears throat> they have to print good removal. But yes, I, look, uh, bolt bolt deals three. This has two two toughness. That's fair. Uh, yeah, this that was the reason that uh, what was it? Ground rift, the storm, your creature, whatever can't be blocked, can't be started blocked. spike. Yeah, yep. because of that card. Yes. Um, also, be, before I get to my next overhyped one, I I agree. So this, it's fine, right? Yeah. It's it's okay. It's not going to be busted, especially because again. What we've seen across Magic is cards just aren't worth as much as they used to be mm -hmm. because of how many products we're getting. Speaking of which, I was mistaken. That Elish Norn does not come to in every complete bundle. There is one step in complete foil in every collector booster. Nice. Where you could potentially get an Elish Norn. Uh, on the topic of overpriced and toxic, yes. Uh, my next pick for something that is overpriced is Tyranax Rex. Okay. Why is this card like... $18 and only exists as a foil. It, it, seven mana for an 8-8 eight, eight that can't be countered. Mm -hmm. Trample, Ward yes. 4, Colorless, Haste, Toxic 4. Alright, I get it. If It's an 8-8 eight, eight Trampler, so if it connects at all, it's 4 Toxic. Fine. Mm -hmm. This card's not great. It's not no. Questing Beast. It's not Elder Gargaroth. It has to connect to do anything and doesn't generate advantage. You know what Infect decks don't have? Seven mana. Correct. Ever. They have to reanimate Elish Norn or steal it somehow in order to get it to do anything. They, they can't do that. There is no deck where this is good. It's too slow for modern. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not great in Pioneer. Nope. Because, uh, again, too slow. Uh, I just don't see where this goes, that it has this price point. Especially, again, uh, with as many collector boosters as there are, because it's, what, 10 foils per or something, something ridiculous like that? Ridiculous. Like that? It's absolutely absurd. Yep. Uh, so I, I just I don't see this maintaining that value. I get it. It's a dinosaur. It's a Phyrexian dinosaur. And that's cool. But if I really want to play with dinosaurs, I'll just play on my dedicated ARC server instead. And that's a way better use of my time than spending seven mana on this monstrosity. So I think what people keyed on really quickly was 
there's this illusion that it is the evolution of Carnage Tyrant, but it is not because it has a lot of the same stats, yeah. but Ward is not hexproof because this still dies to a Doom Blade. Yeah. You know, it just takes six Carnage mana to Doom Blade. You're casting seven, this on seven, your opponent can just Doom Blade you at end of turn. And also, so, okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so people might feel like it's going to follow that trajectory of being this great mirror breaker for standard. That's all I, I can I come up with. Yeah, I, it's also, I, I, is standard that bad? Is seven mana attainable? Is that, is that realistic? Uh, based on what I was seeing, yes, it seems like a slow format, but it doesn't seem like green is really involved. Yeah, so I, it's been that. blue, white, X or whatever forever. Yeah. Um, Along this train, though, so I had, I had Tyrannus Rex on my list of overhyped cards. It, it's on there as one of the many that I thought was overhyped. One of the cards that I believe, this is not on my list, that is underhyped but and similar but better is Bloated Contaminator. Um, it is about $4. It costs 2 and a green for a 4-4. Four, four. Trample, Toxic 1, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, proliferate. So after, yeah, after the first hit, it's dealing to poison counters every turn it comes down a lot faster i don't understand why this card doesn't have the hype behind it that bad carnage tyrant does yeah i mean just dropping it three is incredible yeah uh, i think this off menu i think that is actually a card that deserves a lot of attention more yeah. so than tyrannus whatever the hell that was the rex tyrannex rex or Tyrannex rex whatever yeah. get out of here all right so, uh, moving into the Goldilocks zone, just right. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Tekathal Inquiry Dominus. This is the blue Dominus. It costs <clears throat> two and two blue for a flying three five with the text. If you would proliferate, proliferate twice instead. It also has an activated ability, a colorless, and two Phyrexian blue. Remove three counters from among other artifacts, creatures, and planeswalkers you control. Put an indestructible counter on Tekathal Inquiry Dominus. Now, the reason I think this is just right at a 17-ish dollar price, uh, sorry, uh, on the hype train, not price-wise, uh, is because I think this is the best one in the cycle by a fair distance. Proliferating twice ends the game rather quickly, and historically, Contagion Engine maintains a fair price because of this. It is the closest analog we have to this card, and you can see when you look at the stocks graph for this, like once Proliferate really picks up in Commander, so does Contagion Engine's price, and it just maintains. Now, this is on another level. Contagion Engine costs 10 mana to proliferate twice, while Tekathal costs as little as 5 mana to proliferate three times. As a creature, this is more vulnerable than Contagion Engine, but the ability to immediately make, an uh, make it indestructible can shelter it on the way to a win. And I believe this settles closer to 10 or $12, but the hype is spot on. And because yeah. I think this is just going to mirror Contagion Engine. And the reason I got to the number 5 when it comes to mana is because there are cards in this set that say, one mana, do some stuff, proliferate. Yep. Which is pretty good. Uh, I think if there's one thing we've learned about cards like Contagion Engine, it's that literally just proliferating is enough to carry the value of a card. Yep. Put oh. it on a 4-mana 3-5 flyer? Pretty good. Yeah. So you don't proliferate three times, you proliferate twice. It's not one plus two, it's two instead of yeah. one. Yeah. Right? But uh, still. It, it's still good. And then, upside, you 
can make it indestructible yes. as a three five flyer for four. Yes. It's pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think there's anything bad about this card. You there there are negs across the rest of them. They're just not powerful enough or they're weird enough or they're not um, easy enough to utilize. Uh, a lot of people were really hyped up on Zopendril Hunger Dominus. That's the green one. And I've pointed this out a number of times. Um, there's the enchantment from Midnight Hunt that has literally the same text as this card. It doubles the power of your creature every combat. And it seemed like people didn't realize this until Zopendril hit. And then like the hype train just took off. But it's like, if that enchantment is unplayed currently. What makes you think a creature that is technically more vulnerable is going to be played instead? Like, Zopendul costs 8. This enchantment that I'm talking about costs 5. Or 7 versus 5. Like, those are worlds apart. Like, yeah. this one costs... Zopendul costs more than the card it's copying. Uh, Tekathal costs less. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Very, very good card. And I think this is one of, like... Especially... This... Tekathal specifically, it was on my list of, like, potentially underhyped, actually. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, when, when speaking of long-term. Like, long-term, yeah. that's a card that's probably 20 bucks because of EDH. That's fair, yeah. Uh, but card is just really good. Yeah. All around. It's a very good card. Uh, for appropriately priced for me, mm -hmm. or appropriately hyped, uh, I actually had Solus Jailer. So this one's been really flying under the radar. I haven't seen anyone talk about it. It's sitting right at like the two to four dollar price point for foil or none. Uh, permanent cards and graveyards can't enter the battlefield, which is oh, yeah. different than Graft Digger's Cage because Graft Digger's Cage's creatures and graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So this is permanent cards. So this stops replenish uh, any of the enchantment revival stuff. Crucible. Anything that crucible any of that stuff it shuts down all of the reanimation and shenanigans for anything not just creatures yeah uh and then players can't cast non-creature cards from graveyards or exile that is a little bit of downside to graft diggers because graft diggers was they just can't cast any yeah creature or otherwise yep. uh so this doesn't get around like unearth or whatever other mechanics are similar to unearth but in terms of like just general graveyard hate I mean, Cage has been sitting at 2 to $4 for two reprints now. Mm -hmm. So this may even be something that, depending on how Standard goes, uh, or Pioneer, may see a little bit of a bump. I just don't see it right now, but I think price-wise, this effect is, like, spot-on in the 2 to $4 range. Uh, it's something that, you know, for me, I don't know that I'd want to pick up an excess of them. But I wouldn't be mad having like two or three in a binder somewhere, like my smalls binder that's, hey, look through here to even out a trade. Yeah, yeah. I, it really is the utility in the first line of text on each one of these cards that's going to determine the price long term. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Graft Digger's Cage turns off like Court of Calling and uh, turned off Birthing Pod, so you couldn't just throw a creature from your library into play, which was relevant at that point in time. Now we're yep. looking at permanent cards and graveyards can't enter the battlefield. So yeah, there is there are a number of ways to do that now. What are we what are we going to get in the future? We don't know, but this is an important card to look at and an important card to have. Grafdigger's Cage wasn't immensely powerful when it came out. It just became really good over time because of what eventually happened to various formats. And so, yeah, to your point, I don't think I'd go super deep, but for two mana, this works out pretty well. It's a zero four sword dodges bolt and most red removal. It just it loses to pinpoint white removal and fatal push. Abrupt decay, sure. Which which cage law died to anyway. Exactly. Right. So you you gotta. It's still weak to 
the artifact removal, but at the end of the day, what does it matter? If it wasn't a creature, it would still die to nature's claim, just like a cage would. Yeah. So you, you, you gotta weigh and measure it, and I think not going too deep on this is the correct call. Like, yeah. You don't want to go too deep on sideboard cards ever. You just want to make sure you have the set that you need, and I think for a card like this, it is as hyped as it needs to be right now, because like you said, it's not gonna blow the doors off. It just no. turns off a graveyard. Like, Pay attention to it. It's good. I I will say the only time that I went as deep as I could on a sideboard card was when Pitting Needle was a forty dollars sideboard card because of Jit. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oof. That and uh, like Lay a Line of Sanctity. Yeah, like, stuff like that. Yeah, but that's because everybody at the event's going to clamor for it, so you know you got to pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Now moving on to underhyped, I have uh, one card, and I did not have a lot of cards in this in this list. It is surrounded by cards like Bloated Contaminator, which we talked about. It cough uh, fire resistance because I thought I think a planeswalker that creates a Valakut emblem two turns after it ETBs on four that always tutors up a mountain is really good, and Glissa Sunsayer. So these are the other three cards on my underhyped list that yeah I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. This last one, though, however, slots immediately into the modern format, either as a main deck card or a sideboard card. And it is Kemba Ka Enduring. Now, this is by far and away the best Kemba that we've seen. This costs. Not saying much, but. Correct. Because it costs less than like four for once. This is a one and a white for a two two. And much like all the other Kembas, this one does care about cats and hats. So. Whenever Kemba, Khan During, or another cat enters the battlefield under your control, attach up to one target equipment you control to that creature. Equipped creatures you control get plus one plus one. And it also has an activated ability. Three double white create a two two white cat creature token. So that token can vacuum up a Colossus Hammer. Just like Kemba can vacuum up a Colossus Hammer. And you can see where we're going. So yeah. uh, like I said, this immediately slots into a, a top tier modern deck, either in the main or the side and allows it to go either short or long, depending on where you need to be, where this card exists. The lack of buzz for this seems pretty wrong. It just seems pretty low. This is going to take a deck that historically has problems in the mid to late game and give it some ability to hang, not just because it sucks up a hammer, but because of the ability. Now, starting with Modern, this immediately vacuums up hammer to swing. It vacuums up... Uh, Shadow Spear, it vacuums up. What else is in that deck? Uh, cranial Plating. Yeah. It allows you to... It does that. But it also allows you to sidestep the need for Pure Steel Paladin or Sigarda's Aid. And you run six to eight copies of those in total. So it becomes another tool in the kit. You don't have to worry about opening on one of those and a Colossus Hammer if you go Hammer on one, Kemba on two. That's it. You're yeah. good to go. You don't need to have the Pure Steel Paladin. You don't need to have the Cigar Aid. Out of the board, it does the same thing, but allows you to continue play, to play a realistic long game with the activated ability and subsequent trigger to move hammers around. Stepping into Commander, this plays several ways. The most obvious one is the, the Cat's Tribal deck, which, while Tribal at its <clears> core, <throat> it's oftentimes an equipment deck. And from there, we start to look at the equipment theme on Rec in general, and we see summated white is one of, if not the most popular colors for that theme. So you have cats, equipment, and that really big overlap. So this plays in three places immediately. 
with the popularity of the confluence of elements that make up this card, it seems well underhyped and underpriced at like 60 cents. But that's not saying much. I don't think this is going to be like a $5 rare. This might just be a, a Kemba that finally costs like two or three bucks. Yeah. Uh, I This was one of the cards that I had on my like underhyped because, again, it's one of those where it's like, hey, this is just good. Like, it's well-costed. It slots into decks immediately, mm -hmm. which is obviously kind of a big deal. Yes. Uh, and it's not something that has a ton of alt arts. I actually don't know. Does it have any? Yeah, it has two. It has... Um... Oh, the Borderless and the Step in Complete Foil. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it being costed what it is in a tribe that, while not good, I don't, I don't really know if meme value is the right thing they keep making cards for the cat edh deck in yeah um, whatever you want to call it chibi form or cutesy form um philly yeah all the cards that they're in the secret layer there are all cats it's like soul of wind grace and anointed yep whatever pouncer whatever adorned pouncer yeah it's uh it's good yeah but to your point that meme value is like the cat's theme and then yep. you just gotta want to dig past it to look at like, okay, well, realistically, what do equipment deck looks like? Look, what do equipment decks look like in EDH? Oh, 16,000 of them are Boros. Cool, that's white. After that, it's like Azurius and then Celestia. Like, cool, there's white just white's in all of them. Yeah, it yeah. runs the table when it comes to like dominant color and summation yeah. for equipments. And now you have a card that plays both like casually and Mimi in the cat stuff, yeah. and you have something that plays seriously in the equipment deck. good yeah all right mine that i yes. think is underhyped and this one's kind of strange because when it first got spoiled everyone was like holy shit this card's insane and it kind of died off since uh and that is i guess the new protagonist now that jace is completed holly fucking luya please kill him uh the eternal wanderer okay so no more than one creature can attack it that's actually really good since it's a walker and guess what does all of the things you want a walker to do to be good now it is six mana currently we're sitting at about five bucks why do i think this is underhyped because this is a card that i think in a year is 15 to 20 plus because of edh not because of any 60 card format but six mana enters with five loyalty plus one blink something yep that's really good and the best part is it's not blink something of yours oh yeah yeah it's anything any artifact or creature yep so if someone has collector oof out and you want to use all of your mana rocks great i'm a blanket it doesn't come back till the beginning of its owner's next end step mm -hmm. great then it has the gideon ally of zendikar ability zero make a two two but this one has double strike yeah pretty good yep and then the thing that really got me thinking this is absolutely nutter butters for EDH is actually it's alt. You can do it the turn it comes down. It's minus four is for each player, choose a creature that player controls. Yep. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen. So it is immediately a board wipe. Yep. Where you get to keep a creature and only one creature can attack it every turn. So you've got a blocker in place. 
Uh, it's just really good removal that solves a lot of problems. Being able to pinpoint the creature they keep obviously is very good. And sure, six mana is a lot, but in EDH, it's really not. That's like turn three. Yeah, no, it is. It's fine. Yeah. It's just a really good, aggressive, but also very like defensive walker for EDH. Mm-hmm. And obviously, most pillow fort decks out there are planeswalker based. This literally has a built-in pillow fort for itself. Granted, it's not as good as the Wandering Emperor because it doesn't have flash and do all the other stuff. But uh, it's still pretty good, and I would very much expect in like a year, this card's going to be in the $15 to $20 range just because of EDH. Assuming we don't get some ridiculous secret lair, it doesn't see a list reprint Mm. or any of the other ways. But this card I don't think is getting nearly enough hype in EDH. It's just really good. Yeah, I like I read this card. I don't even think I looked at the price. I just thought it was kind of ho-hum, but I think it's because I got trapped the same way a lot of other people did, which is just the other uh, Nahiri and yeah. what's-his-face, the Gruel Commander, Yeah. Tyvar the Brawler. We had these other really splashy planeswalkers come out that people just fawned over for a couple of days. Like, people were even going nuts over the seven Monakea and Luca, that's the real one. Yeah. Where people were just going nuts over some of these planeswalkers, rightfully so. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're um, very good. That the, the Eternal Wanderer just slipped by me because I was just like, oh, it's another planeswalker. It's probably like super duper hyped. And to discuss, it's just going to be worthless because. You talk about one, you talk about the mall when everybody's like, oh my god! And so I literally just skipped it for this. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it, too, was just so many people just got caught up in the completed hype, right? They paid attention to the completed walkers. They didn't yeah. look at, you know, Wandering or Wanderer. They didn't look at Kaido. They didn't look at Kaya, who has Hexproof. Yeah, that one was weird to see. That It's just one word is a passive, Hexproof. But there's a lot of, like, those walkers all got overshadowed. And I think Tyvar, honorable mention, uh, may be another one that is very undervalued. Because, like, you get to tap everything like it has haste. Yeah. It ramps. It's pretty good. Yeah, we talked about um, Thousand Year Elixir as a pick a while back. Yeah, yeah. it's just Thousand Year on a dude. Yeah. Uh, At a more reasonable mana cost. Yes. It's like, this is uh, probably one of the only constructed level planeswalkers i saw in this in this yeah. set a lot of them look decent they're going to get close um i think the, the eternal wanderer absolutely has opportunity to play and constructed but i think tyvar just people are talking about it just slotting in devoted druid combo because you got to look out everything combos with the devoted druid so the meme says but in all honesty like yeah pretty good yeah it does this <clears throat> gives it haste for three and it untaps it too you get a free untap with it how could you not or it brings it back from the graveyard. like just, Everything you want. Yeah, it just works with that card. So, yeah, uh, Eternal Wander is a, a good luck for an underhyped card. And I'm the, the use case for that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know this one. I can't imagine that we're going to get a lot of alt art on this. They're, they haven't done much with the Wanderer yeah, it's, itself. The Wandering it's, Emperor it's got the, like manga treatment i guess yeah it's got the inset stuff but that's like yeah to your point if we get another planeswalker secretly or a planeswalker whatever down the line absolutely but otherwise I think, yeah it's pretty solid yep. overall good luck especially for the price point i didn't realize it was this cheap yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, like I, I just assume, oh, it's a wanderer with passive and lines of text. It's got to be like ten plus. Yeah. On the low end, and I'm like, oh no, it's actually at five to six. And the other thing is, hey, guess what's going to happen on release weekend? It's going to tank. Yeah, I can't imagine what this is going to be like. Uh. Yeah. All right. Hicks? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you went first, so I'll go first this week. Yeah. That's what's up. All right, so this week, uh, I'm going back to EDH, and I'm going back, or Commander, and I'm going back to the color green. And this is a card that just hit my list very recently, and just, I wondered why I was on a hot list, and I'm still having to question that. But now it's on a rocket, so we just got to get in front of it. And this is the card Lignify from Lorwyn. This is a tribal enchantment. Tree Folk Aura, it costs one and a green. Enchant Creature, because it's an aura, so duh. Enchanted Creature is a zero one Tree Folk with no abilities. That's None. it. That's all That's all this card does. Now, I put it on my list. Uh, actually, it wasn't November. It was uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> January 13th. Carcting was buying two for 10 cents. And TCG had 121 at $1.57. Now Car Kingdom is buying twenty five at about forty cents a piece. Still, uh, and there are one hundred and eighteen listings left on TCG Player for a dollar sixty nine. So we're seeing trends in the directions that we really want to kind of show that this card is currently moving both places. Now, when we look at Commander and we say, "Well, what does this card do in Commander?" Well, if you're playing green, you should probably slot this into ninety nine as Creature Control. It's not yep. Beast Within. It's not Songs of the Dryad. It's not a number of other things, but it is pretty solid overall for two. Breaking it down a little more, while we can immediately compare this to, like I said, Song of the Dryads, Imprisoned to the Moon, and Darksteel Mutation, and this isn't any of them because it doesn't make... It doesn't remove the commander from the game in such a way that it can't be dealt with easily and then replayed. The, the commander can just block and then be replayed. So that's something to remember. It does lose all abilities, though, so it kind of functions similarly. Yeah. The one thing that I do find interesting is that this is tutorable by Treefolk Harbinger, and that does play into some of the commanders and deck identities that we see on Wreck. And I'll pull that up because it is worth the laugh. So we're going to see things like Kaima. We're going to see Thrun. Uh, we'll see Miri Cat Warrior, Vertiloth the Ancient, that plays into the Tree Folk stuff. We'll see Sithis, we see Eutropia, Jedit. We see a lot of weird things on here. So it, it's a, an interesting breakdown when it comes to the spell. Now, this does attach itself to Enchant Enchantress style decks, ranging from Mono Green to Selesnya and Gruul, the generals that I mentioned. And most of them are looking to end the game quickly and not really pillow fort up, which does make them a little more unique than what you think of when you think of Enchantress. And I did think that there was a hidden ability on here for Landwalk, because there are a lot of Landwalking generals in that list, but this is a tree folk with no abilities. It's not a tree folk forest. So I, I'm still very confused by that one. Yeah, you can do um, Yavamaya, and you're great, but there's one commander that really threw me for a loop, and it's Ayumi, the last visitor, and it sent me down this rabbit hole mm. of like, but why not? Ayumi yeah. is a 7-3 for 5 legendary creature spirit with legendary landwalk, and I thought, oh, well, you just turn the commander into 
uh, a forest and you just walk right over it. No, that's Songs of the Dryad. That's not this card. It's not like the hidden theme, but these cards do go together in that theme because you're still turning off the commander. Like, yep. it, it's it's just kind of interesting how this all plays together like that and did throw me off a little bit in this research. <clears throat> so, outside of the obvious play, within a theme, Lignifier's removal spell looks like it's spreading across the format for both the self-reporting audience as well as the true t- kitchen table crowd. It's very difficult to identify why all of a sudden, if I bring up the stocks graph again, you, we just see it start to kind of rocket around DMU. Yeah. DMU didn't offer us a lot in regards to new generals. We got a new Namada reprint, which doesn't do a whole lot with Tree Folk, and we got a new Vertiloth uh, printing. And that one doesn't do a lot with Tree Folk. So it was just kind of interesting to see just all of a sudden. And it's not like this spike is correlatory to Tree Folk Harbinger, which is something that has been on the move for a while on CK's hot list. These moves are independent. Lignify was not moving at the same time. There was a gap. I... Like, I have Tree Folk Harbinger on my watch list. Yeah. And Lignify just hit. Tree Folk's got to have been on there for, like, six months or so. So, this is... It seems very much like this is people coming back to a card from the heyday of the format. Also of note, the new Atraxa can hit this with its Enter the Battlefield, despite not naming Tribal in the reminder text. Tribal is still a card type, so it's still hittable by that Atraxa. But the spike is not correlatory to that. So we're still kind of digging around for the reasoning for this, but this is what I got up top. So really what we have here is a mana-efficient removal spell that doesn't leave around a 3-3 like Beast Within does. It leaves around a 0-4, which is a little easier to deal with. So it's limited in scope in terms of targets, but it's still a high-priority removal spell to be considered in the format. And what I mean by that is Beast Within hits any permanent, as long as the Dryad uh, hits creatures, Imprisoned in the Moon also hits artifacts, like they're kind of widespread. Moving on. Timeline, real quick. Yeah. Uh, we're on a rocket, but it's kind of still unexplained. This sells about $200 a month, sorry, 200 copies a month between Nearman and LP. I don't understand the reason spike. It's very difficult to suss out, but we're looking to get ahead. So this moved from a buck fifty. So this moves from a buck fifty to two dollars very, very quickly. And from there, it doesn't really seem to be a ceiling according to TCG player. People just keep listening up and up and up and up. Uh, I believe there's going to be a period coming up shortly where where we will be able to turn this around into the open market for profit, but the double, the quad up, depending on how you bundle these, will be a few months out. So yeah. if you wanted to try and get a brick from somebody, you can get them for as cheap as a dollar and spread shipping across them. Otherwise, you're going to piecemeal like one, like singles or doubles out for like closer to two dollars, which uh, puts that double up a while out. As far as Bialis is concerned, if CK keeps trending upwards this way, it's probably about three months to break even, six months to profit. Equity on a reprint is interesting. We got tribal spells in modern master sets. We don't really get them elsewhere. No. And they are, I don't want to say the good ones, but it's Tarfire and Tarfire. I think that's about yeah. it. We don't we didn't get nameless inversion. We didn't get crib swap. We mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of those. Um so it really has just been this. And Lignify has been in a commander set before i believe it was in a dual deck okay it's just a dual deck so not even yeah. a master set so i know we're going back to lorwyn and i think that's the only time we're going to see this come back is when we go back to lorwyn where the type was originally given to us and that's it i don't think we're going to see this really in a commander product if it hasn't been there yeah. yet um 
buy quantity. If you want to move these and trade somewhere between 8 and 12, I think that's a great look. If you're looking to move these to buy list, 12 or more would be fine, but I wouldn't shotgun my entire quantity immediately to buy list. I'd slow drip these out. And uh, I was able to pick up a couple from TCG Player and probably have about 12 from collection buying from the heydays of Commander, and I'm happy staying there. And I want to pick up any more of these. I do have faith in the card overall. I just don't know how good the long-term demand is going to be for this card if it's just picking up now after yeah. so many years of stagnation. So we're looking to just get out ahead of it, you know, make hay while the sun shines, and then cut loose. Yeah, I think I've, I've always liked this card. I've always liked Imprisoned in the Moon type effects. Uh, this one has always been very interesting because it also can be used offensively. Because if you're in a Doran build, that's suddenly yes. a four-four. I did want to bring up that old that old ass Doran synergy that people wanted to call a combo, which was like Harbinger fetches Harbinger, Harbinger fetches Harbinger, fetches Harbinger, fetches Doran. Yeah, exactly. It's a Brian Kibler line of play. Fucking BK, God, love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the most BK thing I've ever heard in my yep. life absurd but yeah 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 you're right it, it was something i've been thinking about all weekend yeah. too i was like i remember the combo but i don't know if it's worthwhile to bring up the fact that like this is the dumbest thing that people were doing in, in a standard format it was it was so bad uh my pick mm -hmm. first off i want to apologize uh i picked cards in this set uh in this cycle a while ago saying Man, just go ahead and buy them. They're never going to come back to Mirrodin. Why would they ever come back to Mirrodin? They'd have to do Infect, and they'd have to do Phyrexian Mana. And that's garbage. And these cards were plain specific. Uh, Copperline Gorge. That's what I'm choosing as the example. But it's basically indicative of Copperline, Dark Slick, you know, the whole shebang. Yep. Uh, there's a few reasons I'm picking this. First off, these are going to hit an all-time low because we're going to have a shit ton of them on the market. Second off, after giving us an entire year of Phyrexia, Mirrodin, whatever, I think it's going to be a long time before they come back. Mm -hmm. Notably, these are now in Pioneer. Yes. Notably, uh, much to a lot of people's chagrin, uh, Play Magic, the Pro Tour Twitter, said, hey, next season is, guess what? Pioneer, Pioneer and Limited for RCQ's only seems like a great time to get in on this then yep. uh we're gonna be at a all-time low here great you know what else sounds awesome picking them up because people are gonna need them for pioneer yep. they're gonna need them for modern maybe they're going for poor man's legacy they're gonna need them there so right now all of these full art whatever every version most of them are hovering in the five to ten dollar range that means that come Friday? Is yep. it tomorrow? Oh, no. Pre-releases this weekend. Next week. Yes, when they yep. actually release, these cards are going to be, like, dirt. And these are the kind of things that are always played. Mm -hmm. uh, Fastlands, especially in Modern, which is faster than Legacy somehow, uh, you need them. You have to have that duel that comes into play untapped. Yes, yep. Decks that are very mana-tight. 
So Bogles, for example, ran for Razor Verge Thicket and still does, and it only runs, you know, like less than 18 lands. Something like that, yeah. These cards are very good. Uh, even, you know, take a look at the ones from Kaladesh. They see play everywhere they're legal. Yes. Now these are getting an extra format. We're getting a surge of supply. So it's a weird situation where you have a lot of demand and a shit ton more supply. But based on printing, we all know they're going to be dirt before they go back up. So quantity-wise, well, you want four of them. Every single one of them, you want to get it in multiples of four. This is not something people are playing in EDH. You, you're not moving it as you know a one-of. Oh, yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. Some that move like two to three, whatever, that's fine. You still want it in the quantities of four because it's better to just have it, and then you can add one later if the stack gets broken up or whatever. Um, Timeline-wise, again, could, I see two timelines panning out here. Okay. We'll see a little bit of a bump come RCQ pro tour whatever season where we start having pioneer qualifiers you're going to see a lot of iteration on decks because now we have access to more efficient mana so we may be able to cut colors out that we were kind of splashing because we didn't have a favorable way to get it before uh when that happens you'll probably see a little bit of a surge Mm -hmm. more importantly come similar to wanted returnal about a year from now once people have forgotten all about All Will Be One, they've forgotten all about the 12 different variants that you get in five different ways. People are still going to need this card, and we're not going to have the supply, because if there's one thing we've kind of noticed, it's, guess what? Everything's getting open now. There's not a lot of product that's sitting around getting unopened. Prime example, do you know what distros are out of? Brothers War. There's no set boosters at Southern. So if we're hitting that, you can best believe that a set which has staples like this will see a surge in price once that happens and once that set stops being produced and there's not a ton of it sitting in distro. So we've either got probably about two to three months Mm -hmm. on when you'll start to see a surge or about a year. Either way, if you get in in the next week when some of these are even sub $5, doesn't matter. Get 10 of each, 12, sorry. Throw them in a box, forget about them. I am sure we have all spent more money on more stupid things than that. Because if there's one thing you can say about every single format in Magic, the mana base is almost always the most important part of the deck, and it's what you need to build first. Absolutely. Yep. Now, I think this is a good time to revisit that when you have very important and foundational lands to work with. It's not like we get that all the time. And at this point, everybody knows the value of a shock land. Everybody knows the value of the horizon lands so when they finish that set uh, yeah people will run to them and it's nice seeing these come back to help with a format like pioneer and to help i like ed commander players aren't going to clamor for these but there are still commander players that have etb tap lands into their deck either the commons yeah. that gain a life or the uncommons that do nothing because that's all they had so taking one of these out of the binder for a couple of bucks might very well be in their wheelhouse because there's upside to this versus the other lands. So yeah, to your point, this isn't a commander draw, but there's definitely like a little bit of upside to playing these in commander over something slower like one of the uncommon lands. And at a very attractive price point, yeah, absolutely. Why not pick one of those up in trade if you feel like you can or you want? 
opening up deck design space in Pioneer, to your point, also hugely important because who knows what happens when certain color pairings have access to faster mana, to better mana overall. It's not like it's going to push uh, mono green out of the format, but it gives Rakdos yeah. a better land base for sure because you, now you can play four of the fast line along yeah. four, alongside four have... of the shock land. Four black leaves, it turns out, is really good for that deck. Yeah, Jund played them in Modern. The uh, yeah. Adnaz deck played Seacrum Coasts. Pod yep. played Razor Verge Thickets. All these decks that needed to be fast and have and have access to untapped mana from turns one through four effectively needed it to compete in a format that was very fast. And those formats also required skill and understanding how to sequence your land. So it actually also increases the skill level of the format inherently and can make four better games because you have more decision points to make unless yep. you're just playing like the red green deck at which point in time yeah you just play your lands until somebody's dead but either way this is a, a great look they're hard to get yep. once they disappear which is the you know the point you're dancing around like absolutely now is going to be the time to pick them up rather than later and doing yep. it release weekend or the weekend after is going to be the easiest one uh or some of the easiest times. The easiest one is probably going to be the pre-release weekend when you just sit at events and listen for the players groan as they open kits and find lands in their packs. Because they will be disenfranchised that one of the rares was a land and how difficult it's going to be to try and win down one good card. And then you yep. just trade it away from them. <laughs> because they just don't want to deal with this card anymore. It's great, though. Absolutely. I... I I like that this is happening. I think it's, you know, obviously I like it. I picked it. Uh, but yeah. look, man, this time I don't think we're coming back for a while. No, I agree. I I absolutely agree. And so being able to re-up, being able to refresh is, mm -hmm. is always a good look. Because if not to make money on it yourself, it's a way to get in on the cheap it's a good reminder that hey these are coming yeah. back if you didn't get them before you should think about getting them now there's going to be a protracted window in which to do so keep your eyes open and pick up what you need as you need it so yep absolutely anything else for the week i'm good all right so for at mtg cabalcast on twitter facebook patreon and youtube i am at halt i am reptar you are at thirsty sizzler and we'll see you next week